Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. This is The Takeaway. I'm Janae Pierre, sitting in for Melissa Harris-Perry. And this is none other than the incomparable and larger-than-life entertainer, Little Richard. Though we lost Little Richard in 2020 to bone cancer, his legacy as the architect of rock and roll and showing us all what it means to be a rock star lives on. Michael was inspired by me. Prince James Brown, I discovered him. Jimi Hendrix was my guitar player. I used to stand on a desk and do Little Richard. I love you, Paul. Hello, Linda. Everyone was beholden to him. He spit on every rule there was in music. I was unpredictable. They didn't know what I was going to do. Now you got it, God damn it. Show it to the world. My name is Lisa Cortez, the director of Little Richard. I am everything. Lisa's new documentary about Little Richard's origin story premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January and will premiere in New York and L.A. this weekend. I asked Lisa what drew her to tell the story of the complex and nuanced man known as Little Richard. It was the spring of 2020. We were in lockdown. It was a challenging, sad time. And Little Richard passed away. I started hearing his music everywhere, and it brought me a lot of joy and nostalgic memories of dancing around to Tutti Frutti with my cousins when I was a kid. I then saw these um, a broad range of people who were celebrating him online, you know, from Elton John to Dave Grohl, the Foo Fighters. And of course, my next step is, wow, I want to watch a film about this person. And then I discovered the only film that you could find was a fictional biopic where Leon um, played Little Richard. Yeah. There was not a documentary on this incredible man. Yeah, which is very surprising. But I do remember that movie used to air all the time on BET. And uh, it was really great. And you're right. That was the only thing that's that was around until now. Um, But one thing that I really love about your documentary is the fact that you use Little Richard's voice throughout the film and from various interviews that he's done throughout his career. Why was it so important for people to hear his voice? I wanted to give him agency to tell his story. We did a very big archival dive to see if we could find all the instances of him narrating and taking us on this incredible journey from cradle to grave. Richard, you know, if anything I learned in making this film is you have to give him the mic. So it was, you know, important to then build a second layer to in the storytelling of family, friends, musicians who worked with him, Um, and our incredible Black and queer scholars to give context 
But also to be all of these participants are in conversation with Richard, because sometimes he's saying things that we as an audience question. And sometimes he is sharing things that, in the words of Lee Angel, are not exactly the truth. So even though Richard's voice narrates the film, we are in conversation um, with him as an audience. Yeah. You know, you talked about that archival dive that you had to take from cradle to grave. And let's go to the cradle part of that, because you take us all the way back to his origin in Macon, Georgia. What do we learn about how he was brought up? I think what's most interesting for me, you know, this film looks at the roller coaster that Richard goes on between his idea of what it is to be a saint and what it is to be a sinner. And a sinner for him was singing this rock and roll music and being queer. And it's a pendulum that he is navigating throughout his life. But we see that in his origin story, these seemingly disparate contradictions are there very early on. His father is a minister and owns a nightclub and is a bootlegger. Um, He goes to the Holy Roller Church. He goes to the more sedate Baptist church. He is dressing in his mother's uh, curtains and putting on makeup. So, so many of the things that throughout the course of his life, He's trying to figure out how to hold on to all of these things. And, you know, as Zandria Robinson said, and at times it tore him asunder. This is a part of his origin story. Mm -hmm. And some of the shows early on in his career from what was known as the Chitlin Circuit, um, Little Richard actually performed in drag as Princess LaVon. Talk about that. That was a really interesting discovery. And it is a story that um, Richard narrates of being kicked out of his home as a teenager for being queer. Uh, He is taken in by the owners of a gay club in Macon, Georgia, and TikTok. And then he goes on the road on the Chitlin circuit. And in this character of Princess Lavone, he is performing in drag. But the other thing what came to mind for me was he's not the first. You know, there are recorded instances of people in drag and drag balls in America as early as the the late 1800s. So I think it's, it's especially interesting in a time when drag performers are being criminalized for us to show in this film this long tradition mm-hmm. of people who are uh, performing in this modality. Yeah. And to sort of put a timeline on it, I mean, this was when when Little Richard was performing in drag, this was what, the late 50s? No, no. Woo-woo. No, the, the 1940s. Yeah, he's born in 1932. So it's the early 40s. Mm-hmm. So he's like fighting this, this contradiction um, from his childhood and now to on the road into into his career in the 40s. Yes, his his career takes off in 1955, the release of Tutti Frutti. He has like regional hits before that. But 55 is when the supernova that is Little Richard uh, lands on Earth. And land he did 
When we come back, we'll talk about the rise of Little Richard and the battles he faced throughout his life and career. This is The Takeaway. When you see actor Danielle Brooks on the red carpet at the Oscars, she will be in full glamour and in grief. I've been with Sophia for so long. And I just know, like, after the Oscars, that chapter is really done. And that saddens me. I'm Kai Wright. A star of The Color Purple honors the role that shaped her career. Next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with The Takeaway. I'm Janae Pierre, sitting in for MHP, and we're continuing our conversation with Lisa Cortez, director of the new documentary, Little Richard, I Am Everything. I asked her to tell me about the origins of his hit, Tutti Frutti. I don't want to give away too much, but (laughs) I can share that the original lyrics began Tutti Frutti, good booty. (laughs) Uh, He kind of was recording in New Orleans, doing a very traditional sound. And then he goes to a club when they take a break and he unleashes this whole other moment and song. And his A&R person, Bumps Blackwell, is like, he just smells a hit. But they know that they have to clean up the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about the separation of Black music from the mainstream when when Little Richard was first starting out. How did that affect his career? What's interesting about Richard is he goes on the road. And Black and white musicians, for the most part, were not performing together. And certainly, particularly in the South, but other places in the U.S. also, Black and white audiences are not um in the same venues, uh, watching these artists, but they have, I love the stories that we talk about in the film where, you know, one night is for the black kids, another night is for the white kids, but then the white kids, you know, start coming and the, they actually literally move these ropes that were put in place to keep the kids from mixing together. It still takes a long time for Black artists to cross over to the the pop, you know, side of things. But Richard is a part of the momentum of, of that change. Talk about the white entertainers um, like Elvis and Pat Boone that literally copied Little Richard's work and profited off of it. Well, you know, um, not a lot of people might forget that Elvis covered Tutti Frutti. And then Pat Boone covered Tutti Frutti with his his special approach. It was very laughable, uh, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting time. Um, Pat Boone covered uh, other Little Richard songs also. Little Richard started to get frustrated and he started speeding up his songs because he was like, if I make it faster, then then Pat Boone can't keep up. <laughs> um, this idea that you can only go so far as a Black artist and then your music is re-recorded and it sells more and has a broader appeal um, is an unfortunate part of the history. 
I want to speak more about um, Little Richard and his personality. You know, like we said, he was just so, so vibrant. Um, but how was Little Richard able to navigate being so bold, black and queer during a time when people like Emmett Till were being murdered? I always think of um, that comparison of 1955, where Emmett Till is murdered and little Richard bursts on the scene with such boldness and exuberance. Um, and certainly little Richard, um, you know, he was arrested and beaten by the police, but it, it makes his arrival and the statements that he is making with his arrival quite remarkable because those are statements that uh, about gender fluidity and queerness that are still troubling to some people in this country. And it seemed to be eating away at Little Richard uh, throughout his career as he got bigger and bigger. Um, and at some point, he decided to actually do something about it. And, and he went to Oakwood College to study religion. Tell us what happened there. Richard has a moment that's very interesting when he goes to Australia and uh, he thinks the world is coming to an end. He comes back, cuts his hair, and in, goes to Oakwood. I loved meeting with his classmate from that time because the gentleman shared how Richard really wanted to save people and he would stop people on the campus and he would pray for them. I mean, he was very sincere. Um, and, you know, his connection to God was a constant in his life. I think the complexities for Richard arose when he himself did not know how to reconcile that relationship and his understanding of the displeasure he thought God had with him for performing this devil's music and for being queer. Talk about his influence on the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. You know, in the film, you'll hear from Mick Jagger and, and Paul McCartney about their connection to his music from when they were very young. They started listening to those early hits mm -hmm. um, in the case of Paul McCartney mimicking the woo. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mick Jagger provides a list of so many things that he learned from Richard. So what is the takeaway you want folks to get from this movie and about the larger than life, Little Richard? That he is um, a king of rock and roll. Yeah. He is an emancipator and a liberator. And that goes beyond the music. He is intersectional in his conversation with culture and his boldness and innovation and style made a way for Prince, for Little Nas X, for Harry Styles, for people who are looking for freedom of expression in all facets of their life and that he started that energy um, and that knowing this history of, of Richard, of the other queer African-American musicians 
who mentored him is very important to know and recognize and honor when we think about rock and roll. Lisa Cortez, director of the new documentary, Little Richard, I Am Everything. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Let it all hang out with the beautiful Little Richard from down in Macon, Georgia. I want you all to know that I am the king of rock and roll. Let all the women folks say, woo! Let all the men say, oh! Woo, my soul. We're gonna do a little thing for you. Saturday night and I just got paid.